0: Automated podcast. Welcome to Automated. I'm your host, Mark Verbenkov, and in this weekly podcast, we will be exploring the impact of emerging technology on jobs, society, as well as us, with business and technology leaders, researchers, and independent professionals across the world. So on the podcast, I've been fortunate, I think, to bring on really excellent guests to talk about some exciting technologies that will, of course, both impact and automate jobs in different industries. However, one of the technologies that I've had kind of the most requests for is artificial intelligence. And I think with really good reason, as it has been getting significant media attention for the past several years. So today's episode will specifically look at artificial intelligence, or AI, and perhaps more importantly, also look at the differences between how AI is being developed and implemented in Europe as compared to, say, China or the US. So my guest today is Philip Slusilek. He is the scientific director and member of the executive board at the German Research Center for Artificial Intelligence, also known as DFKI, where he heads the research area on agents and simulated reality. So if you have ever been interested in hearing more about what the state of AI is in Europe, how AI will of course impact jobs, and what the challenges are for the future of European AI development, then this episode is for you. So a little bit more about Philip. He originally studied physics, got a PhD in computer science, became a visiting assistant professor at Stanford University, and since 1999 holds the chair for computer graphics at Saarland University in Germany. Since 2008 he is also a scientific director at the DFKI, the largest independent center worldwide in AI, where they combine graphics and simulation with AI and high performance computing with the goal to develop something called Trusted AI, which you'll hear about more in the episode. But basically they are AI systems where guarantees about their behavior can really be provided. And finally he's also the co-founder of Clare, which is the world's largest AI association, bringing together the european ai community to achieve excellence across all of ai for all of europe and beyond with a human-centered focus well hi there philip thanks for coming on to the automated podcast today
1: hello i'm excited to be here that's an interesting new format that actually i haven't <laughs> done before in this far
0: great well i'm i'm happy to uh, to be the first podcast for you to come on to um, I've been looking forward to this discussion because, as I mentioned before we started recording, there, I haven't had too many guests talk specifically about artificial intelligence on the podcast. And I think as it's it's one of the most highly discussed uh, technologies out there. It's, it's great to have uh, your expertise uh, and your insights being shared on the podcast today. So I really appreciate it. One of the ways that I like to start the podcast with all guests is asking a little bit more of your kind of personal interests. So if you can share what initially got you interested in artificial intelligence, maybe some interesting anecdote or something to kind of give the audience a little bit uh, of a more human perspective as to why you got into the technology that you're working with.
1: Yeah, that's actually an interesting story, um, I, I think, uh, at least from my perspective. Uh, um, I, I, in, in, in school already, I, I was interested in computer science and math and physics. And uh, when, when I was about to study, I, I wanted to do something real. Uh, mm-hmm, I, I actually mm-hmm. decided to, to go into physics. I finished my master in physics. Uh, but already at the end of the studies, I actually went to computer science, uh, okay. and, but not into AI, but into actually graphics, computer <laughs> graphics, <laughs> exciting area. And that's actually also where I'm scientifically I'm I'm coming from. Um, and I, since 99, I'm actually professor for computer graphics here at Saarland University, uh, right Saarland is right on the French in Germany, right on the French border near Luxembourg. <laughs> and. Um, Uh, We do a lot of realistic rendering of 3D scenes, of 3D environments, like in games and things like that, highly interactive. And in 2008, I was asked whether I would join the German Research Center for Artificial Intelligence, because there is a lot of connection um, between AI and uh, 3D environments. Specifically, you might actually want to train AI agents uh, uh, in virtual environments. Um, right. And I've always done a lot of uh, projects with, uh, with industry. Um, so for instance, we have developed real-time ray tracing here, or at least made major contributions to that. That's more on the graphic side now. That actually got uh, my, 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 my ex-PhD students uh, who work now at Intel just in February, got a uh, technical uh, Oscar, a technical okay. achievement okay. award for, from the film industry for, for that work. So it's it's really something that's being used in, in in the industry, and we are applying this now in the in the context of AI, and and maybe we can talk about a little bit more la- uh, about that later. Yeah, it, yeah it's an exciting sure. it's an exciting connection, and so from that background, uh, I, I have a, a, a maybe a different perspective on AI than mm-hmm. people who who have grown up in AI.
0: Uh, so, so one of the things I think that I, I was really interested in hearing your perspective on was uh, kind of the differences between the AI uh, development in, you know, Europe versus the two other kind of main actors, you know, China and the U.S. Uh, I, I myself is from Canada and I'm always bombarded by, you know, either messages from friends or just media in general about the kind of state <coughs> of AI in the U S but um, uh, obviously, you know you're you're a European professional, so maybe we could talk a little bit about how uh, European AI development is maybe a little bit different from United States and China.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is. Um, I mean, of course, there is excellent researchers in all of those areas, mm-hmm. uh, typically at universities. Um, but uh, I think it's fair to say that AI in the US uh, and in China is much more driven by the big corporations, uh, whether that's Google and Amazon mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. Baidu and uh, you name them. Um, uh, they, they hire some of the best people, they have large research groups. Um, and um, yeah, so that's, that, that is the structure there. We don't really have those big companies in Europe, Uh, so uh, it's much more driven by public funding for AI research. Mm -hmm. Um, And in in the past, AI, the AI community in Europe has been highly fragmented. There was excellent labs all over the place, but there Mm -hmm. wasn't any or, or very little interaction between them, and so there was there wasn't really a European AI uh, mm-hmm. identity or, or even a, a common theme, and that has actually changed. And, and one of the reasons, and we have been part of that, is, mm-hmm. is actually we founded the Clare uh, community, the Clare initiative, which is a grassroots uh, initiative to to bring together the European AI labs. and Clare now has four hundred uh, labs all over Europe as mm-hmm. members, and we. Um, we were were funded through big projects at the European from the European Union and and we're trying to influence and and also to some degree coordinate and bring together and extract what are the key European topics, right? Mm-hmm. I think every one of those areas of of AI has to have we have to identify what is the European way of AI. Um, And and I think that will be very much driven by values, this idea of trustworthy Ai has been formulated as a main goal by the European Commission Uh, we're driving forward uh, a big initiative towards trusted to what we call trusted Ai providing guarantees for for Ai systems. Um, So there's a lot of stuff coming together, it could always go faster. Uh, I think, sure, uh, sure. Uh, and and uh, but but I'm I'm very happy with things uh, how things are uh, developing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there is a big problem in in holding talent here in Europe. Uh, there, I mean, uh, Google is paying pretty good uh, sure. salaries <laughs> and others too. Um, uh, so so uh, I mean that's the interesting thing if you if you look at papers and and. Uh, some of the big systems have been developed in the u.s um, less so in china there's actually lots of european ai trained people european trained ai yeah. researchers and engineers who uh, actually are working on those systems so to some degree there's a lot of european ai uh also in in the the, the american ai systems uh, in there uh right. but uh, but of course that that is um Uh, Diminishing what we can do here here in Europe, so there we we, uh, want to uh, really encourage people to stay here in Europe and um, they're there in particular one of the big ideas uh, from Claire uh, when we founded Claire Claire, that's actually three years ago is actually this idea of is uh, beyond just the network of of all of these AI labs um, and and having some some centers of excellence across Europe, uh, that's being created, those are being created now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have this idea of creating what we call a CERN for AI. You you know CERN as the center for particle physics. This is where like every particle, every physicist working in that area wants to be. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is Mm -hmm. where things are happening. This is where the big conferences are uh, and and where where everyone wants to be. Establishing something like that here in Europe for attracting talent, okay. attracting industry, bringing things together, and creating a lighthouse and and also a trademark for European AI. This is something we're pushing forward strongly, also with the with the, with the politicians at the national and and the European level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these these are some of the ideas of of pushing things forward here. And um, again, it could go faster. Uh, I think there's a lot more that can be done and can be done faster, but uh, it's absolutely moving in the right direction. There's a lot of spirit and driving things forward here in Europe.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I, when when you told me about this idea for the CERN for AI, I mean, uh, for myself, as as I've always wanted to go visit CERN, Like I think it's also a, a kind of a catchy title, right? It, it drives innovation. It drives uh, motivation, I should say, uh, towards an idea like that. Um, one of the absolutely. other absolutely,
1: little... and yeah, uh, if if I may just add yeah, to yeah. that, I mean, it has to be a little bit careful with that term because sometimes it's a little bit misleading. There is a lot of similarity in the sense CERN is 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 not where actually uh, like all the physicists work there. Uh, mm-hmm. um, it's this idea is uh, where where people go for a period of time to do to work in uh, big experiments and big conferences and stuff like that. It's really this, this center where where people are distributed, working from their home labs, come together. Um, but then it's very different from AI on the other hand, right? By the way, we want to create something like that. Uh, yeah, that, that was my uh,
0: question. People, if it's gonna be a physical location? It, it um, will yeah, be, yeah, yeah, yes. Okay,
1: okay. Uh, the plan is to, to, okay. to have a physical location okay. uh, because there is, a, actually, that is one of the reasons why we want to do that because mm. in Europe, a lot of the research is is rather incremental, right? There's, mm. um, right? There's different groups doing a little bit of work here and there, and it's excellent work. Don't get me yep. wrong, yep. right? But uh, I think the one thing that is different uh, in the U.S. and uh, to some degree also in China is this idea of this, right? Uh, throwing the ball forward quite far and saying that's where we want to go. There's this mm. big initiative. Mm. Uh, like Facebook, right? They they essentially want to reinvent the computer for the head-mounted displays for AR VR. They, they have to redesign everything. There there aren't these uh, um, moonshot projects, right? That um, and, and they have a lot of value because they they unite an entire group of people, European AI community behind a common theme, a common topic. Uh, uh and common values also to drive that yeah. forward and um that we we don't we don't have these kinds of projects in europe and that's something i think that would be extremely valuable and we have the mm-hmm. idea uh we have the feeling right now that there it resonates a lot with uh with politicians um and um, so um uh, we're pushing we're pushing this uh, forward very much but but then yeah. ju- just to, to maybe complete that AI is different than than particle physics, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that that is very fundamental research. AI is something that moves really fast, and yeah. there is a very short uh, way from the research result uh, that you finish today, and uh, it might actually be used in products tomorrow, more or less. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's very different from the physics. So there there are important differences that we have to keep in mind when when we make that. Uh, yep. Comparisons, But as you say, yes, uh, politicians, if you stay in discern for AI, that's something that catches on. They immediately know what we're talking about. Yep. Um, and and so, yes, that's that's also why
0: we've chosen that term, of course. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> um, maybe before moving on to the, uh, I mean, you mentioned a little bit about the, the specific applications of AI. I do want to touch on maybe... Uh, for one or two more minutes about the, maybe the kind of challenges that uh, Europe is facing with regards to AI. I mean, you've mentioned a couple of times that there's this, you know, this brain drain going to the large, you know, rich organizations in the States. There's also maybe an idea of some of the like GDPR or other kind of regulatory issues that I've read about that might be slowing some AI uh, development forward. Is that, is that, correct or do you see uh is it mostly kind of the brain drain and might maybe like not having a uh, a united vision moving the the uh, ai development forward is that really the problem for for europe
1: i I think it's much more brain drain uh and and this these big vision this unifying ideas that that uh, bring people together um so the gdpr and, and regulation is actually Actually, I would think this is a success story for yeah. Europe, if you think about that, mm-hmm. right? The GDPR was heavily fought against uh, from the US, right? I mean, some of the big corporations were mm-hmm. pushing, What well, while it was being designed, were pushing very hard against this notion of, of establishing something like that. Um, when it was established uh, not it became a worldwide success story is yeah. gdpr is being copied even in the US and many other places across the world um, of course with modifications here and I'm also not saying that gdpr as it exists today is, is perfect it certainly is not there's there's uh, certain areas that uh, I would absolutely agree need to um, need to be revised but that's true for any regulations um, and um, so yes, I think that is a success story. Uh, it is also a success story, yes, it might not allow you to do certain types of research. I mean, yeah. to, to, to it might not allow you to do certain types of products and stuff, Actually, there's a lot of leeway for research. There's special uh, exceptions okay. that you can do sandbox, and, and you can do research uh, in, in certain areas uh, for for testing purposes, and so, so on. So there, there it allows a lot of, of that to do. Uh, but on the other hand, I think there should be limitations of what we are allowed um, as 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 researchers. But also, particularly if we talk about products, right? Um, I think, and, and that's also, I think more of a difference here in Europe. We, we have these strong European yes. values, the human human rights uh, at the end, but a lot of that that derives from that, that's very deeply ingrained in European culture. Um, and so I think there are um, AI applications that might be accepted elsewhere that will not be accepted in Europe. And, and we should, we, it's really important that we as, as citizens are deciding of, on, on what kind of AI we want to have, right? We, mm-hmm. It's a technology that we as humans are designing, right? It doesn't happen automatically. Yeah. Like we are designing it. And, and while we're designing it, we have to decide what is it that we want and what consequences will that have to the, to the degree we can say that today um, what consequences does that have on, I mean, AI is, is everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, and what consequences does that have on our societies? Um, and and uh, to the degree we can change that and influence it, and, and there is a lot of influence we have there, um, we, we, we don't want to allow certain things. And you might have heard the, the European Commission, besides GDPR, which is about data um, protection, Mm-hmm. Uh, there is now a um, since april there is now a suggestion for a regulation of ai in this yes. right? yes. that is a draft at this point this will be discussed it will take quite some time but um, it's the same idea it's the same idea we shouldn't be able to do everything and we need to agree on what do we want to allow under what conditions right and mm-hmm. it has mm-hmm. a very clear uh, agenda. I think that's very good. Right? I mean, there's there's risky, high-risk application, AI applications that are high-risk, and they should be regulated more than AI applications that pose very little risk, right? There's yep. no need to actually regulate much. So this whole idea, I think, is, is actually very good, and I would guess this will, um, to some degree, this will change the world as well, because Europe is a big market, and if we if we come up yeah. with regulations of, and, and a clear statement of what is it, how we want AI to work here in Europe, that will yeah. have consequences to the rest of the world. And I think that's yeah. a good thing. And in that way, I think you can clearly argue that Europe is a leader, um, at least in, the, in these areas, and, and will have a big influence uh, all over the place.
0: Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. I hadn't I hadn't thought about yeah the the size of Europe acting as or the size of the European market market kind of acting as one of those forces to shape the the AI development in the in the Absolutely. past. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. four hundred
1: fifty yeah. million yeah. people in the EU. If you take yeah. Europe as a whole, it's I believe seven hundred million. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. twice the size of Europe of of the uh, US. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, that we we often under I mean, I think we're not as good as as the Americans of right going out there and presenting our stuff, right? Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. the Americans are are typically better at that. <laughs> yes, definitely. But um, um, if you think about things a little bit more deeply, then uh, there there's a lot of stuff that we can yep. do, and we should be, to some degree, should be proud of of, of that, and we should be self confident that. Right. We don't have to wait until Google does all the stuff and then we just use it. I I think that's Mm -hmm. really the wrong thing. And also this idea of these new technologies being controlled by some private entities is also something that is being viewed here in Europe as Mm -hmm. something that is at least dangerous. And we should that that should be looked into. Right. And and that's Mm -hmm. why this is also like here we see this really as a public uh, good as well, that 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 uh, that's why a lot of public money is flowing into that could be much more. Flow.
0: Right. <laughs> why don't we move on to what the the role of the German Research Center for AI actually does. Uh, so you mentioned a couple times before, kind of these more applied uses of AI. Um, and I think that that might have some role with kind of the, the living labs that Uh, dfki deals with maybe you can just discuss dfki for those listeners that haven't uh, heard of it before
1: yes uh, so dfki stands for the german research center for artificial intelligence Um, dfki is actually fairly old uh, founded in 1988 already so 33 years old by Mm -hmm. now which is really old Um, we've been the only ai research institute besides the professorships at various universities uh, but as a and, and we're still the largest independent research center worldwide in, in AI. Um, we're a private organization, a research organization. Um, shareholders are uh, the states, the German states where we're located, as well as companies. So Microsoft is a shareholder, Intel, uh, SAP, Google, uh, right. but, but also agricultural companies, automotive companies. Um, and uh, they, they don't get get money from that as shareholders because we're a nonprofit organization. Um, but they, they become shareholders because they're interested in what we're doing. They want to interact with us. At every point in time, we're doing between 350, 400 projects, most of them in collaboration with industry, either mm-hmm. on a one-to-one basis with a company or very directly. Um, uh, in many cases, this are joint research, uh, collaborative research projects where there's a couple of research institutes and university professor chairs and and, and companies, small companies, big companies. Um, So yeah, and our focus is really on applied research is, um, essentially you can think of that, we're not doing research just because no one has done it yet. We always have a purpose um, and we have a goal in mind of developing a technology that's not available yet and making this available uh, to the industry. We don't do the exploitation at the end, but okay. we leave that to, let's say, spin-off companies. There's quite a number of spin-off companies that, that DFTI generates, mm-hmm. uh, or the uh, our shareholders or the other uh, industry partners that, that we're collaborating with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the, uh, um, sometimes, or actually increasingly more, we are also, we 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 are going into fundamental research But we call this the application inspired fundamental research so so we have an application in mind we just see that the basis is missing and so we have Mm -hmm. to go back and actually um uh, you know kind of build the basis on which we can then build the build the applications
0: uh maybe you could give sorry maybe you could give an example of some of these applications if they're not um if, if you can share them just to give oh, the yeah, listeners a little bit more of a kind of a tangible picture of of uh, what is actually being done
1: yeah so so one uh, example from my own uh, older example from from my uh, own uh, research a- area which is called agents and simulated reality I'm agents mm-hmm. or so in the sense of AI uh, agents um, yeah. So we've built uh, an agent-based uh, control system for a steel mill. Um, this is actually okay. not far from here. This is operating the entire steel production at that site uh, and it hasn't mm. been doing that 24 uh, seven for I think it's over 12 years now. Wow! Okay. Um, so <laughs> it's really hands-on heavy industry applications yeah. The way that work was it was actually a, a basic research pr- project in the beginning, um, where we just used the the use case in, 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 in the steel production as as an example of, of to we wanted to aspire to be able to do that. And mm-hmm. it just turned out to work well and, and then follow up projects actually in the process when over multiple years uh, in the process multiple of the researchers actually joined the company. Um okay. and eventually, right? They, they we had something that we thought could work. We used their data to validate that it actually works. Uh, and at some point we just switched it on uh, at their site, and it's been operating since. and it's being actually we're not involved with this anymore. It's actually our uh, the people in the company that some of them come mm-hmm. from us originally that are still maintaining this. But uh, we're doing big projects now, for instance, with the European Space Agency okay um right they have huge amounts of data they operate a lot of the earth observation satellites that circle our earth and Mm -hmm. and recording a lot of stuff uh lots and lots of applications there we work uh with i I mentioned the agriculture companies class a german Mm -hmm. company but also john deere and others Um, that's actually a really interesting area um, digitizing uh, precision farming uh, yeah. There's there's very applied uh, stuff, but they also pose very specific and very interesting research questions, right? We're mostly in for the research uh, mm-hmm. to kind of develop the technology that then uh, allows the companies to 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 benefit from there. And and there's many other things. There's autonomous driving, of course, a yeah. big topic yeah. in here in Germany, of course, yeah. uh, but also the energy sector, right? The uh, the, the uh, um, renewable energy revolution that has to happen, right? If we want to stop global warming, that has mm-hmm, to happen. Mm-hmm. It's unimaginable to have that without AI, right? We need to control if, if the level of renewable energy that has to be, the, the, the production has to be matched to the consumption. Uh, there's a lot of high, large data uh, control problems there um and so DFdi actually has uh what is it now uh 20 research areas um right. so each one is specialized in certain topics um we work rather independently on on various uh, projects but we have also cross-cutting things on on deep learning on, autonomous driving, because autonomous driving really needs a lot of different AI Mm technologies from different Mm -hmm. areas to work together. And that's something that DFKI I think is uniquely position because we have all these different different elements it's it's 1100 people right uh, yeah. working at dfki uh, that's, yes, not, that's not a
0: small little organization <laughs>
1: yeah. no it's fairly large by now and we're growing uh we're in, i don't want to say exponential growth but uh, the growth is increasing so it's actually moving fairly quickly and right. there's a lot of interest of course in ai now, right now
0: yeah uh, one of the things, and I think I mentioned this before, the uh, the living labs, I was quite interested to, to read that on the website. So of course, you have all these kind of different focus areas for the uh, for the organization, but then you also have these living labs, which, if I understood correctly, they're kind of environmental setups where you're actually able to test some of the uh, research outcomes in a, I guess you could say, a mock environment of where the the eventual client would use that. Could you touch on that just uh, just for a minute? Because I thought that was yeah, quite
1: absolutely. That that is something that um, is not unique, but uh, I yeah. think DFKI is doing. It's it's a key part of what we're doing as DFKI that we're, we're not just doing the research and then we publish a paper or, or transfer a piece of software to, to a company. Uh, a key part of our mission um, as, as the biggest research institute in Germany and Europe is, is also to, uh, communi- to communicate um, both to the public mm-hmm. but also to industry, right? So a, a good yeah. example, for instance, is the uh, smart factory. Um, so you might know Industry 4.0, this yep. revolution that was actually started from the FKI Wolfgang Walster. Our okay, ex CEO okay. is the key person behind this uh, uh, this, this idea of, of a, a fourth industrial revolution, mm-hmm. um, to a large degree powered by AI, yep. um, and. Uh, if, that is was a worldwide it, it happened right even in the u.s it's spelled industry is spelled with iE and right of
0: right <laughs>
1: y, um, it, at least in many cases and um, and and so this the smart factory is 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 an organization where it's actually a lab at at the FKI in our kaiserslautern lab where we work with industry it's it's kind of an exhibition in some sense mm-hmm. it's a lab where you can visit uh you can see the thing in operation um and you can experience this they they do seminars they they invite people actually a lot of the lab of of the actually they have an entire production line but it's a modular production line right, right. where they're, they're, they have different stations but they can be, and they you can roll them on and off, and and they're they're modular. And you, they connect to each other, mm-hmm. um, so you can reconfigure the whole system. And and but each of the modules is actually being produced and designed with some of those industry partners. So it's actually also a center for the industry to come together to try these out, but also get engaged and show that their technology actually does implement a lot of VI and, and can 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 integrate and work well with the technology from the other companies. And there mm-hmm. I forgot how many people, how many companies are are uh members there and and even more are visiting this every year i mean this is a little bit difficult right now i mean that's the problem with living labs yes, and demonstration yes. centers during the pandemic that obviously works not as well but yeah, but um yeah. we're, we're we'll come back might, to that.
0: might have to uh, digitize them or make them available over vr Absolutely. over the next uh, couple of years that, yeah.
1: that's actually yeah. what we did there was yeah. Hannover messe this year uh, which yeah. is a big event for us uh, and uh, particularly the smart factory lab, uh, the smart factory was 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 there and uh, 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 demonstrated a, a lot of that virtually. But uh, yeah. it would be nice to be able to do this again in yeah. person because, yes. particular for production, right? You want to see that happening in front Precisely. of you. That that Precisely. is a huge, very very different experience than just seeing it on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. couldn't, couldn't uh, other things that. are uh, we have a big retail lab uh, that's okay. actually a, it's a small supermarket and that's actually located okay. at okay. a big supermarkets uh, headquarter here mm-hmm. in Germany we do smart uh, smart living uh, various other ro- big robotics exploration laboratory where we have halls actually for underwater robotics it's a it's a huge swimming hmm. pool where you can actually industry comes into to test their system in our labs, and we have another hall which is for space robotics. Uh, you can essentially try, well, uh, robots on Mars. Uh, of course, not in, in the same yeah, environment, yeah. but but it's similar. So yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of really interesting. It's this engagement with the community, but also with the general public and, and the industry that that sets us apart
0: there. I think. Okay, yeah, and I think that's also one of the things that might set. Europe apart from say the United States, right there's there's a really big focus on collaboration uh, between industry players between research institutes. Um, yeah as compared as compared to the U- United States.
1: Yes, there is, but actually that's one of the areas where I th- can see a lot of improvement and, and mm-hmm. we're moving in that direction. Um, for, for, I mean I, I was at Stanford, I was in visiting assistant professor at Stanford for a while. Uh, so I experienced uh, Silicon Valley firsthand, okay. um, um, at least from from the university side of things. But I was I was a visiting professor at NVIDIA for half a year as well. So that okay. was my okay. also in Silicon Valley. That was my industry perspective, um, and and what you see there, uh, and what I think it's probably also somewhat unique to to Silicon Valley. But it's this very early and and close engagement between industry and research. Mm. Um, they, they engage very early, the industry funds research very early um, and, and it, it takes risk in doing so, right? Uh, because that research might not work out at the end. Yeah. Um, and in Europe for a long time, that was very different, um, essentially research was publicly funded Uh, a PhD did his work for two, three years. And Mm -hmm. when the research was done, that is when industry got interested. You, we did a project for three months or six months, sometimes longer, but that was rather rare to transfer that result. And then usually often they left, right? Right, right. In, in an area of AI, like it is today, Right Google has implemented this thing three times over before the company even starts here in Europe and, and so one of the things we, we actually um, started here uh, in, in. At the is this idea of a transfer lab where, where actually industry comes in mm-hmm. and we collaborate on a long term basis and, and as part of that, they are actually willing to fund basic research. Uh, because they want to engage, they want to have those results as early as possible, adapt um, their production processes or whatever it is, uh, how they operate, and and want to take advantage of these results as early as possible, because they they see this as a competitive advantage, and we have a dozen or more of them. Uh, It's not pervasive yet, um, yep. It's still not not all, not all companies are, are are ready for that yet, but this close collaboration that people are coming in actually work with us in in the same lab at least. Well, after the pandemic, I guess uh, we'll have that again. So that that's um, that's different. Uh, that's a, a, but but we're we're getting there, or at least to some degree. It could, okay. Again, could be faster. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but, yeah, yeah there so. there are differences. Um, the, the, I, I would say companies are more risk aware here, um, and and mm-hmm. that's also maybe if 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 you allow for talking a little bit about there there is a change uh, or a difference in in how AI is being used here in Europe. Um,
0: yeah, for sure, that'd be great.
1: Here, AI is 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 probably. I mean, of course, we also have pure AI startups and and mm-hmm. and, and you know, right, big big AI purely AI focused companies. But in Europe, I think there is a much stronger focus on using AI or injecting AI technology into existing companies and industries, right? So Mm. essentially strengthening um, and and the, the existing companies, giving them a competitive edge by Seeing how could AI change their production processes, their mm, products, mm. the way they operate, um, and and things like that. I, I think there's a much bigger focus on that um, than maybe in, in 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 other countries or okay. other areas.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, that, that's very interesting, and I also think it kind of flows into the the other question that I have. So, I mean, you were talking about uh, all the different kind of focus areas that DFKI has. Um, I think this is really like one of the questions that I'm asked uh, a lot as I try to follow, uh, you know, AI development as much as possible. Many people seem to think that AI is just going to be, you know, kind of gobbling up everything. It's going to be impacting everything. It's going to be disrupting kind of all aspects of society. Um, with the research that you're involved in, are there any, say, key sectors or or industries that aren't going to be disrupted by AI? Uh, I think we always hear about those that will be right autonomous vehicles, uh, mobility uh, you know um, manufacturing, et cetera. but are there any that yeah aren't going to be heavily impacted?
1: probably not. Um... <laughs> No, I mean, if you think about that, yeah. what is what what is AI doing, right? It's it's allows us to essentially automate cognitive processes.
0: Exactly. At yeah.
1: least that is the goal, and we can.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, again, we we can do great things with AI, but I mean, compared to human intelligence, where there's a long way to go, right? Yeah. And yeah. Actually, I mean, since I'm at that topic, right? I'll let me just say. Um, to, to also to your listeners, right? I mean, there is, there there is the AI you see in Hollywood movies, right? Sure. Um, Terminator and you you yeah. name them, iRobot. Robot and and, uh, and and that is strongly influencing the 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 public perception of AI. Even though, mm-hmm. right? We're Far away, right? If if anyone would be able to do just small parts of what is in those movies, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: you would get the Nobel Prize, even though there is one, none for AI. <laughs> but anyway, um, the Turing Award or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, um, people largely underestimate the capabilities of AI in certain areas, right? I mean. Mm. Obviously, you know, we, we were better than humans on playing chess and uh, Go and, and many yep. others. But yep. the, the main difference is we're, we're very good at, at small, isolated topics. Um, while we, that, that's artificial intelligence. Human intelligence is this really wide range of, of intelligence and we're mm-hmm. far away from that. Yeah, uh, that's that's certainly we're nowhere near that in any uh, in any way, and so there is. And and so as we can automate more and more of these cognitive processes, um, of course that will that that can be used everywhere, right? I mean, simple things like face detection, uh, yeah, things, right? I mean the people argue a lot about that this is a dangerous technology, and yes, it can be dangerous if you uh, apply that in the wrong context, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it can be extremely uh, useful for for many applications, right? We're using essentially similar technologies to detect uh, skin cancer or, or, I don't know, all sorts of other or things, co- COVID
0: that was being done in, in China. I remember reading. Yeah, they're using they're using AI to, I think, uh, yeah, detect COVID in the lungs of patients some you know ten times faster than the actual test that they were using in the early days yeah, of COVID. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's um, uh, there, there's a lot of uh, stuff there. So yes, it will it will impact probably all areas of, of our yeah. life in some degree or another. Uh, However, it will not happen as fast as sometimes people draw dramatic pictures, Mm -hmm, right. mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, people argue that right, taxi drivers will be out of a job. I mean, we're far away from that. And even if we have autonomous driving at some point, you won't replace so many taxi drivers overnight, right? Precisely. So it will be much slower. I'm pretty sure, I'm convinced it will be much slower than a lot of people fear. But, but yeah, there will be changes and there will be certain jobs that probably we won't have many more. Mm-hmm. Um, but there will be a lot of new jobs. Now, how that balance will look like at the end, uh, that's really hard. And, and econo- economists, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert there, uh, argue mm-hmm. one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's very hard to say, but on the other hand, I think a human imagination where we, we always will want to do something right? right, I mean, and right. we will find other ways of, of creating value to other humans, which essentially is what work is right, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. being valuable to, to other people, and uh, I mean if you think about this right uh, 150 years ago. I forgot what the exact numbers is, but 80% of all jobs were in agriculture.
0: Yeah, precisely. Right yeah. Farming. Yeah,
1: um, mm-hmm. That's less than 5% now or whatever. I, I the think numbers it's less than are, 2%, yeah. Or less yeah. than 2%, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I, I'm bad at these uh, <laughs> random numbers. Um, so of course that was 150 years. And for AI that won't take 150 years. So yeah. so that certainly is a difference. but. I think there's certainly concern there, and we need to also politicians. We need to manage that process, right? I think that's really the message mm-hmm. is we need to be prepared to manage that process, and um, and there, there will be problems, right? Certain individuals yeah. might actually be out of a job and not be able to, uh, um, uh, and, and we need to find ways to 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 handle that in a in a, in a mm-hmm. good way. And, uh, um, and I see too little of that really. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of fear, right? But yeah, then yeah. what can you actually do to, to, to prepare for that? That's a different story and and that's what we need to focus on. We need to do more in this direction.
0: Yeah, well, I, that's um, that's good to hear. That's actually one of the goals of the podcast, right? So it's not just talking about the automation and the disruption of jobs all the time, but uh, uh, you know, I've had a couple of guests on talking about the new industries that are being generated and Absolutely. all of the jobs that are connected to that. Um, I I do want to go back to, uh, maybe this is connected to some of the research that's being done. Um, Do you see like a specific type of job or maybe even specific skills that are being automated more than others with AI? Um, And again, I understand that this is still kind of early days and, you know, over the next 50 years, this will change. But um, just from your point of view, do do you see that already?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, funny enough, it is uh, uh, currently it's more the case that the the high paid jobs are actually more in danger mm-hmm. than um, the the menu the manufacturing. The, the, I mean, hands on yes, manufacturing, yes. because robotics is making good progress, but this fine motoric uh, handling of things. Mm-hmm. Actually, I mean, car industry is actually. Deinstalled installed robots because it turned out that humans are much better at that and faster and, and more accurate and make exactly. less errors than, than the robots did. Um, so uh, yeah, it seems to be that some of these kind of works are actually much harder to conquer for AI than uh, let's say finding information like, like in, yep. in, in, in legal analyst thing, yes. right? I mean, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're searching through huge amounts of data That's probably something that uh, computers will do a much better job. Mm -hmm. Uh, But however, then actually making a a, a decision at the end and uh, based on that data, I think we're far away from really be able to fully automate that. But providing the right input for a decision, that's certainly, uh, um, I mean, that's happening today. Yeah, Yeah. areas already. Yeah. Um, and, and for the final decision, do we actually want to automate that? Yeah. Maybe that yeah, is that's something a good question. in certain areas, probably yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, in other areas where, let's say, human lives depend on that or, or human well-being depends on that, I, I think there is certainly should be a strong human oversight uh, or, uh, right, there's various forms of how humans should still be involved in that. We don't want to be controlled by machines. Yeah. And that's yeah. the other thing maybe, right? I mean, a lot of people and and you you probably heard of that, right? That, that uh, a robot got uh citizen rights in Saudi Arabia.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, Saudi uh, Arabia. So, so, so Sophia. Yeah, 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 the work. Sophia and it was a female Sophia, looking robot. Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. right? I mean, yeah. human women don't yeah. have rights as many rights there as a robot might have. I'm not actually sure about that, but mm-hmm. but uh it's it's kind of uh weird. A lot of people think of AI in that form, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Replacing humans. That is certainly not what we're doing at DFTI. This is AI for humans, right? Uh, Human-centric AI, as we call it. It's supporting human uh, in, in what we're doing, taking over some of the stuff that we're actually not good at. Um, and, and we are in control, as I mentioned earlier, we're in control, we're mm-hmm, building mm-hmm. that technology. We are designing this and we can also limit and where we want this to work and how we want this to work, right? And, and we should be much more aware of that. Uh, and and th- this needs a lot of more discussion with the general public, right? Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. needs to understand where we are and what is possible and, and eventually decide what we want as a society yep. that we can't as, as researchers, I mean, certainly we probably have a voice in that, but um, we can't decide that for the public, right? That is something that uh, the society as, as a whole has, has to decide. Yeah, um, And, and that, that's something that I think needs to be much more present and need, needs to much more discussion in, in society to yep. actually come up with that notion.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree further with you. Um, I do see that the time is winding down here a little bit. Um, maybe as a kind of last question, and this is this is something I was holding back a little bit before. So you were saying that, you know, of course, we now have these um, very specific AIs, the narrow AI, if you want to call it that, uh, and the AI development is going to continue to grow until we get at some point some... Um, General artificial intelligence, which has the same kind of capabilities as humans, you were saying that it's it's probably going to take some time to do that. Do I dare ask you about a prediction, a timeline as uh, I, to, as I to how? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I won't. Uh, no, I mean predictions are are difficult, in particular yeah, yeah. if it refers to the future um as someone said um uh, no I, I i won't i won't any name any any and, and it will be gradual right It will mm-hmm. be faster in some areas and, and slower in others but we're certainly far away from really uh being able to do the whole breadth of of human intelligence in uh, this, yeah. this is, we completely underestimate how good we are as humans let me just say yeah, this here loud enough. right um and um yes uh, on the other hand i'm, I'm I really don't like this notion of weak AI and strong AI, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is similar to what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't like those terms too much, right? I mean, for me, AI always should be a tool, right? It's a mm-hmm. tool. It's just another tool. I mean, there, we have, I don't know, accounting systems. We have uh, spreadsheets, right? Mm-hmm. And word uh, word processing and... and uh, printing what, what you you have in some sense ai is is a very powerful but just another tool right uh, or actually a set of tools a very wide set of tools and we need to learn of how to apply that and right you can maybe at some point we could be in a situation where we build an artificial humans I wouldn't know a good reason for wanting to do that, right? Right. But right. a lot of human capabilities, recognizing what a human that, let's say an AI or system is interacting with, recognizing that person recognizing what he wants from me, recognize, right? I mean, just <laughs> the the kind of interaction that we're having, um, that would be extremely useful in many cases, right? That, that, But that doesn't mean we are building an artificial human. Right, right. It's just, it is maybe a form of interaction, right? Uh, having said that, we also need to be careful here because it also needs to be clear that this is not a human, right? Like, yeah. uh, I, and that's actually in the EU regulation, it is that it must always be clear that you are mm. interacting with a machine, right? It is not a human you're interacting with. Yeah. That and and that can be difficult for humans because we're very much into anthropomorphic, ant, What's the word? Anthropomorphizing. anthropomorphizing yeah, I think. <laughs> yes. That. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, we we do this very easily, and and so I think that's that's an important part to really understand that this is not an intelligent human. This is a machine mm-hmm. It has limitations and uh, we, we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't, we should not, right? We should not mix up a human yeah. with an, even in an intelligent machine. Um, there are fundamental differences and there should always be fundamental differences between the two.
0: I think, I think that's a great way to, uh, to end this discussion. Uh, anyways, for the next couple of decades, we'll be safe in your point of view. Philip, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, I will, of course, have the um, DFKI website and the, the Claire uh, initiative that you mentioned up in the show notes. Are there other ways that you want people to get a hold of you, to follow your work, um, that I can place into the show notes for you?
1: Um, well, my LinkedIn page is easy to find. There are not too mm-hmm. many Sluzaleks around. Uh, um, actually, I need to be careful here because my son is getting into computer science. He's publishing <laughs> his first paper in a couple of weeks. Um, so it might get more difficult, but so far, Philip like, uh, uh Type that into Google or your favorite search engine, and you'll perfect. you'll you'll find me on LinkedIn or or my email address.
0: Perfect, perfect. Well, uh, can't thank you enough for coming on. Thank you very much for sharing. I, I think a really nice, concise idea of, uh, anyways, applied artificial intelligence and and some of those differences between uh, the different countries and regions in the world. I think I thought that was really interesting. So thanks very much for coming on and, and sharing that.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, that's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast and the conversations here, the best way to do this is to go onto Apple Podcasts and leave a review, as it helps the algorithm to reach out to new listeners and brings the show to them. Also, feel free to check out the website, automatedpodcast.org, where you can find the show notes for each episode, written articles on the themes of the podcast and a library of resources on the topic of emerging tech and automation. Also, if you want to reach out and leave any feedback or you have any questions about the podcast or any of the conversations, there are general contact links such as email, LinkedIn, Twitter, etc. for you there on the website. And finally, for those of you that want more than just an audio conversation, the video recordings are now going to be up on YouTube for the newer conversations. So feel free to check out the videos by searching for Automated Podcast on YouTube, where of course you can like and subscribe if you prefer to support the podcast that way. The Automated Podcast.